Hello and welcome to episode 1168 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Friday, April 28th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I am flying solo today as Justin is taking care of an ill child. We wish the child well, of course, and Justin too. Um, I don't believe he's also sick, but I figured I didn't want to leave you all empty-handed on short notice especially, and because I was gone last week and I did my special picture prospect episode, there was no two-step analysis, which I felt bad about. I feel like those have been enjoyed. I've gotten a a few notes of feedback uh, here and there saying, oh, I like the two-step stuff. So hopefully you guys enjoy that because if you don't, this episode might be a skip for you. I'll I'll just say that because that's all I'm covering. I'm going to look over the the two-step pictures. Two-step meaning they have two starts. I guess they can call it two-start, two-step. I think two-step I picked up from Scott Jenstead and Jeff Erickson. I think that's where I first heard it. Um, and I like it. So I call it two step. I'll be going over the guys that, you know, are going to have some availability and or maybe have a question where you're like, oh, I, you know, are you automatically starting them? I'm not giving you analysis on Shane McClanahan. I don't think you guys need that. I don't need to waste your time. Be like, you know what, guys, I'll tell you what, that's Shane McClanahan. I think I would actually start him. So let's just get going here. We're going to go from top to bottom in terms of team order, uh, alphabetical team order. And we'll start with the Braves. They've got two two-steps coming in the form of Bryce Elder and Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright's probably just auto-start. I mean, yeah, he is. He is. He is. He is. His last outing uh, only went three innings because of the rain. Nothing else. There's no concerns there or anything. So don't don't worry about that. Um, if you had any concerns, those can be assuaged by the, uh, by the rain delay there. But Bryce Elder, I think there's a little bit more of a question perhaps coming off of the the mediocre outing last time out especially because it was against Miami five and a third four runs three homers really did him in like that that's pretty much all there is to it everything else was pretty standard elder but of course you give up three homers you're gonna have a tough time beating anybody I mean they only got four total runs off of him so a team like Miami isn't even taking full advantage of something like that Whereas, you know, Tampa Bay probably would have found a way to get like 14 runs off of three home, just off the three homers. Don't, don't ask me how, but they would have found a way, even though the max that you can get off of a homer is four, but I'm starting elder. I really like what Bryce Elder's doing. Hook him horns. No, it's not just because he's a longhorn that I'm going for him. I should give the teams that they're going against. It's going to be at the Mets and home to Baltimore. It's not an easy two-step, but I think Elder's done enough, not just this year in the 29 innings, but in the combined 83 innings of his career, that give me confidence to take a shot in a two-step specifically. This is definitely 15s, 12s, 10s. It's a bit more of a toss-up with Bryce Elder. You can if you want, you know, depending on what's available. But I'm definitely going forward in 12s and beyond. Uh, 21% K rate, 9% walk are his career marks, and he's very close to those this year, 22 and 8, so pretty much in line. Um, you know, heed the Sierra. It's a skill interactive ERA, 394 for him this year, 421 in his combined outings. That's the kind of guy that he is. You might get like, you know, I, I would say we're hoping for like a 6 and 4 against uh, the Mets, and maybe like a 6 and 2 against Baltimore. I think the Mets are a little bit better than Baltimore. Uh, offensively, you know, just off the top of my head, my, my quick snap assessment there. And so that's kind of what I would, would be going for there. Um, and Baltimore has been quite good, but I think actually, no, I'm looking at it now. Their, their hitting is actually on a par. So you might even get 12 innings, you know, six in both of them for elder 12 innings, seven runs type of deal, which isn't an amazing ERA, mind you. That's only that's a 525. But if you get a good whip with it, chance at a dub because he's going to have good support. So I think you can go for this. And of course, there's upside for more. I'm just saying that's kind of maybe a downside that you're planning for there. If elder gives up three, four uh, runs per outing there then you're not getting the best ERA, but I do think the whip should be strong. We'll see. The Ks will be kind of mediocre and then a chance at some wins. I'm starting him. Tyler Wells, I want to say he squares off again. Well, actually, I don't know because they do have two two-steps, so there's no guarantee. But Tyler Wells will be facing at KC and at Atlanta, but he gets right. He gets right in the second one. Uh, so that's a two-step that I'm going with everywhere. Uh, and you can go as, as shallow as 10-teamers. Now, again, the, the league might be have a robust waiver wire enough that you don't need to go for Tyler Wells. But if you're looking for things and you land on him and you're like, well, Tyler Wells, really? Should I go for him in a 
Shallow League, I, I can do it. I'm, I'm in. I like what Tyler Wells has been up to this year. Thought he did some pretty good things last year. Uh, he does take advantage of his home park, and while he isn't playing there in this two-step, KC's a pretty darn good place to pitch as well. Atlanta, that's definitely a risky one for sure. But I think you're kind of getting a Bryce Elder-type outlook here, but with better matchups because he has the KC outing, whereas Elder has to face two toughies. So I even think I have Wells over Elder right now. Skills are probably pretty similar. Matchups are going to go... Uh, Wells' way. So I like Tyler Wells, and I think both these guys, Elder and Wells, if you pick them up in a 12 especially, but maybe even a 10, they become team streamers right now. I'm not ready to just let them go after this because I think both are showing some really interesting stuff. Um, you know, 12-teamers, more likely. I, I think in 10s, they can be traditional streamers. Sometimes I do forget the shallowness of 10s, and I don't say that as any sort of diss. It's just it's an adjustment, right? You play all 15s. You, you don't think all the time about how different the waiver wire is going to be in 10. So yeah, probably just standard streamers there for both these guys, Tyler Wells, Bryce Elder, 12-teamer, and above, they're, they're team streamer types. So you're picking and choosing when you want to use them. You're not cutting them uh, after a usage. I don't know how audible it was on the mic, but Shara was doing like a couple little whimpers. I, I heard like two of them. And I was like, what's, what's she doing? I turn around and she's standing in front of the door. Um, it's not fully closed, but it's not enough for her to wedge her dweeby little nose into or a little snoot and open it. Because she's pretty darn good at opening doors. Uh, not just pushing them open, but, but getting one open like this. But she needs enough of a wedge to get in there. And she didn't quite have it. She's like, are you going to let me out of here or what? I got to go. I got to go wreak havoc elsewhere in the house, Dad. Give me a break. Next up, we have Boston. They have two two-steppers because they got seven games. They've got Corey Kluber and Tanner Houck home to Toronto and at Philly. That's not an easy one matchups-wise. You know, Fenway can be a difficult place to pitch. Toronto's coming in, quality offense. And then you go over to Philadelphia. Philadelphia, I don't think their offense is cooking necessarily. Oh, actually, no, excuse me. I stand corrected. They're fifth in OPS. That's no joke. They're only 17th in runs, so they're not taking full advantage of the things that they're doing, but solid offense plus a difficult venue. So this is a tough one. Um, it's not tough for Kluber in that it's an easy no-go. I'm just... I'm just not there. I, I, I can't really get behind a Kluber start right now, even in a two-step. And, you know, I talk about this this kind of like litmus test that I use for pitchers. If you can't start them in a two-step, what are you holding them for? And generally, it means they're a cut. Not always, not universally. There are some exceptions here and there. But usually I'm like, if I can't use them in a two-step, why are they on the team? <clears throat> I think if you have Kluber and you've been sitting him or whatever – and you have a tough time pulling the trigger here this week, then you should probably cut him. There are some appealing things about his skills, particularly the 12% swinging strike rate, but it's only netting a, a 19% strikeout rate, which the general shorthand is just 2x the swinging strike rate for an expected strikeout rate. Uh, but 2.6 homer nine. And the thing of it is when Kluber's off, he is so hittable. Even at his best, Kluber had a bad fastball. At, at a much less than his best at this point, his margins for error are non-existent. And it makes him a really, really risky start literally every time out right now. And I just don't feel like I can trust him. He's given up at least a homer in every single start, two homers in a couple of them. He does have some good outings on his ledger, but three of the four, or excuse me, three of the five haven't been particularly good. Kluber's a sit for me. He's everywhere cut. I'm just not interested. Uh, I think there will probably be pockets of streamer viability for him, but until he cuts into those homers, uh, or unless he does, you know, unless he does that, I'm not even sure that that's a guarantee. He's had some homer issues before, but never quite like this 2.6 homer nine, and uh, it's only an 18% homer to fly ball, which is a career high. But I would want something a bit more egregious, you know, to be to obviously feel like Kluber's going to get better. You know, if he was toting like a 35% homer to fly ball, we're like, oh, that's definitely coming down. He's at 18% against an 11% career. Yeah, we can expect it to come down some, but I don't even know if we can expect it to get all the way back to the 11. So I have I have a bit of concern there. Uh, with Hauk, I am going to take this shot here. It isn't easy, 
as I mentioned, but I am going to go ahead and start Tanner Haug here. He's also running a 12% swinging strike rate. It's generating a 22% strikeout rate, so a bit better there. About an average or slightly worse walk rate at 9%, 450 ERA, 135 whips. So things haven't been amazing for Tanner Haug, but I do think he's still kind of like reacclimating to starting. We've seen some good starts. We saw a nice seven inning, three run, seven strikeout outing against Minnesota. Uh, not last time, but the time before that. He labored a bit in Baltimore his last time out. I think I'm going to take the shot here. He hasn't allowed more than three earned in any start this year. This is this is a stream. Like this is a classic stream that you're looking for in shower leagues and definitely somebody that you're going for in 15s. Uh, I think he's probably in everywhere start right now. I can't imagine too many teams have a deep enough staff to where they can be picky and not start Tanner Houck in like a mediocre one start week. But if you do, good for you because your staff is, is pretty nice. I do not have that luxury anywhere. But I'm starting him. And I think right now, in fact, let me keep a running list because then I can have them all ranked at the end. I have Wells over Elder, I said. And then Hauk, I think, leapfrogs uh, the two of them because of his his swing and miss potential. It, it's it's really up. I mean, all their swing and strike rates are pretty close, but I think Hauk has had more devastating swing and miss stuff over the years uh, amongst all three of them. So right now it's Hauk, Wells, Elder. As we move on to our next, and I'm not even going to rank the guys that I'm not interested in. So Kluber, you're you're not even ranked. And like I said, Kyle Wright's an everywhere start. So while I did mention him, it wasn't because he's being in, in consideration for this here. Um, oh, I'm glad I'm looking at this board as opposed to the sheet that I had transposed them onto, because I would have missed Drew Smiley and Hayden Wesneski, the Cubs duo, getting a little two-step action this upcoming week. Now, I will spoil this already and say I'm starting both. I'll give a bit more analysis here, but let's just cut to the chase and tell you that both are coming along here. And they're both going to rank pretty highly on this list, if I if I can be so bold as to say that much. I think this is how I'll rank them. I'll tell you that at the end. But let's get into these two. So for me, with Drew Smiley, it's never really about talent. Drew Smiley has been a pretty damn good pitcher in his career um, again, I play primarily deeper leagues. I don't say that as any sort of badge of honor to suggest that my leagues are better, to give frame of reference. So somebody like Drew Smiley is a classic you know, guy. He's been streamed a whole bunch over the course of my fantasy career in 12s and 15s because he's on and off the waiver wire, usually due to his health or occasional blowups at times. He's had some years that he been, he's been a bit more down. But on the whole, He's a pretty good pitcher. 971 innings of a 391 Sierra and a 126 whip. That's pretty damn good for Drew Smiley. But he's made it over 150 innings just twice, over 130 innings also just twice. You know, even just doing 100, it's only five seasons out of the five, 10. We're in his 10th season. Actually, you could say out of eight. Throw 2020 off to the side, and obviously you can't count this year yet. So, for the last five, he's gone over 100, but that's, that's a pretty low threshold. 106, 127, 114, 175. He's not a workhorse. Health is a problem. But when he's healthy and upright, I got Smiley in 15s and 12s everywhere for sure, and maybe even some 10s. It'd be that classic, Smiley should probably be on a team, but not necessarily yours. Um, you might have too good of a team, like your cut might be too good to pick up Smiley, but somebody in a 10 should probably have him. Again, I need to uh, I need to get a I need to get a look at the a ten waiver wire pool um, because that way I can better assess it for sure. But I feel like he should be at least a team streamer in even leagues that shallow. Uh, so yeah, Smiley at cosign there. I'm rocking with him right now. Let's keep him while he's upright. Hopefully it's all year, but let's be honest, it probably won't be. Hayden Wesneski's a little bit. A little bit dicier. I love Hayden Wesneski. I gassed him up big time this year. One of my big target guys. One of my big breakout picks, etc., etc. That said, I do have him behind Smiley right now because I'm going to face the reality of how Wesneski's pitching, and it's not that great right now. Right? It's 22 innings of a 5.24 ERA and a 1.52 WHIP, with a 2.0 HOMER nine and a 10.5 uh, hits per nine. That's getting cut in a lot of leagues, and I get that. However, I do think it is worth pointing out that a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it, is the Seattle outing. One and a third, seven runs, five of them earned, with six hits a walk, 
uh, excuse me, a six hits and four walks. So 10 base runners in the inning in the third. Like that is, that's colossal. And that's doing so much damage that Wesneski's probably going to need like another three good starts in a row to start, you know, running outrunning that a bit. Let's do the let's do the quick math on it. Let's take the five earned runs off. So that's eight, and then that would be in twenty-one innings. That brings him down to a three forty-three. Now, if you go through and you take off the the worst start of a lot of guys, guess what? Their numbers are going to get better. I understand that. I don't say that to suggest that that shouldn't count, but I point this out a couple times a year, and you'll hear a few more times from here forward. The reason you go game logging, as I like to call it, and, and you dig in there and you really see is because is it consistently getting beaten up or is there one, two catastrophic outings that, yeah, those happen and sometimes you eat those, but other than that, he's been pretty good. It's not 100% that with Wesneski because like I said, there are still a couple others that aren't that aren't anything to write home about. His Dodgers start, his, his season opener at Cincy, I'm not standing those up as some brilliant outings. He dominated in Oakland, which, you know, you could almost do the, um, the what is it, like the figure skating scoring thing, take the highest and the lowest away if you want, if you want to do that, right? And then maybe that gives you even a little bit better uh, full assessment of where he's at and you kind of figure things out. I grant, you know, beating up Oakland is not special, but at least he did that. At least he didn't choke that one too that would have been rough for Wesneski he handled that he was pretty solid against San Diego his last time out and I thought the Dodgers start wasn't too bad I would have liked to see more than one strikeout obviously but I'm also in the bag for him so keep that keep that bias in mind I want I want y'all to understand that I'm going to look at the more I'm going to look at things from a more favorable angle on Wesneski because I'm in on him but being honest about it it hasn't been good that said, I am going to take the two-step here, and, th- and this week's going to be a pretty big litmus test. It's at Washington, home to Miami. If we don't come through with a good two-step here, then we are starting to cut in some of the deeper formats with Wesneski. He doesn't have a deep enough track record that we have to go more. This will be start- starts six and seven. And if we're toting a high five ZRA after the, after the seventh start, well, then we do start to make an assessment. Now, of course, it'll still depend on who you're picking up, um, you know, and I, I can't possibly know what's going to be available next Sunday in leagues that do weekly situations, but I do think you start to look at it then. E- even for a pick this high, he was a 15th round pick, so that's still top half of the draft. You could at least start to look at it. For me personally, I'm still going to, I'm, I'm gonna, a guy like this that I really believe in, unless these two are just horrendous. I'm still giving him at least 10 starts, you know, get, get into mid May there, but I wouldn't destroy people that say I'm out if this week is bad, but I'm giving him this week. My assessment on Hayden Wesneski has not changed so much in a month's time that I'm, that I'm deleting him this early. So I'm taking a shot at Washington home to Miami. It won't be easy though, to, to fix the thing that's, that's really kind of like, um, got me bummed out about his season so far, which is the lack of strikeouts because Washington, y'all, they do not strike out. Be careful if you're going up, like, you know, if you do strikeout props or anything like that, or if you're going for your your streamers against Washington, they're not a great offense. They're very punchless. So they're a good team to stream against, but not if you need Ks. They are the lowest strikeout team in the league. They're just putting a bunch of soft contact into play and turning it into a bunch of outs. So you should be able to still get some nice ratios or, or actually all that contact can hurt the whip a little bit with a bunch of bleeder hits, but you should be able to get a good ERA and probably a win. I'd like to see some strikeouts. So it'd be particularly impressive if Wesneski was able to drop five, six, seven strikeouts against the Nats as well, because they are a team that, that don't strike out all that often. But that's it. Smiley's a definite start. Easy, not even a question. Wesneski, 15s, 12s, yes. 10s, he's not He's not really rostered that much anyway. You don't have to pick him up. He'll be on the list, uh, but I don't know that he's above anybody but Elder right now. And that's because of Elder's... Um, that's because of Elder's matchups. Sorry, I was uh, rubbing my eye and focused on that. <laughs> So right now we're at Smiley Hauk, Wells Wesneski, and Elder. Next up is Luke Weaver at San Diego and home to the White Sox. 
Um, that's not that's not a terrible setup because San Diego's a good place to pitch, and they're not exactly quickly on all cylinders. And then you're bringing in the White Sox. Yeah, Cincinnati is a tough place to pitch, but it's the White Sox. So then it comes down to the player in question, and that is a much dicier proposition right now. What we are seeing from from uh, Luke Weaver through two starts is some really impressive swing and miss stuff. A 15% swinging strike rate generating a 31% strikeout rate. That's that's good. It's still too early to say it's real, but that's good. He's cutting down the fastball usage, funneling it into his curve and his changeup, and we like that. And even a bit uh, of a cutter, uh, some more cutter usage. So those are positive aspects to be sure. But the part that I didn't tell you there, if you're unfamiliar with these two starts, is that they come with a 3.9 homer rate and a 7.71 ERA. <laughs> now, he has what I was talking about earlier with, um, with Kluber. He has a 31% homer to fly ball rate, Luke Weaver does. So that's something that you can look at and say, okay, that's really egregious. Yeah, he's a career 13%. That's a far cry from 31. So you should expect that to smooth out a bit. Now, you can play a role in a bad homer per nine yourself, though, too, like in a bad homer to fly ball rate. If you're serving meatballs, it doesn't matter what, what the rate is. They're going to start leaving the yard at a, at a pretty heavy clip. I do believe in him a bit more than, than that uh, homer to fly ball rate says. Now, he has a 341 Sierra. So you'd think, oh, this is an automatic buy because of the 31% K and the 8% walk rate. The core skills are there, okay? A lot of numbers. I'm going to try to be careful with some of these number dumps here that I'm doing. Bottom line is Luke Weaver's core skills right now, his strikeouts and walks, look excellent. It's 11 and two-thirds. But when he's missing, he's missing big and giving up homers. Two in the first, three in the second outing. So it's 10 earned runs already at Pittsburgh and home to Texas but eight strikeouts in each. So then we look at it here. We get the good trip to San Diego as far as, you know, if you got to go on the road, face a struggling team in a decent venue to pitch in, okay? And then you bring in, if you, you know, when you're coming and pitching at your difficult home park, at least you're bringing in a crap squad right now. And I'm sorry, the White Sox are a crap squad right now. I, th I also thought that Tony La Russa was the biggest issue. Getting rid of him would really push things forward. Well, Maybe I owe him a bit of an apology. Maybe it wasn't just all him. I still think he was kind of overmatched for the job now. Like, he's a baseball lifer, a legend, everything. I give him all his flowers for everything. Doesn't mean you never lose a step, though, right? So I'm not I'm not besmirching anything in Tony La Russa's career prior to the White Sox. But I don't think he was a good manager with them in the slightest. So I will I will say, okay, I was wrong perhaps to say, not per, well, perhaps, no couching it. I was wrong to say that he's the problem getting rid of him. Boom, they're going to click and turn everything around 180 style. That was incorrect. Not incorrect to say that he shouldn't have had that job though either. But anyway, I, I'm putting Weaver on the list. So he's still above Kluber for me. I think he's at the end though. I think it's Smiley Hauk, Wells Wesneski, Elder Weaver. And maybe Weaver, Elder, I don't know, like... You know, if you're chasing strikeouts, I can see Weaver above Wesneski and Elder if you're okay taking the, the ERA risk. You know, you got to understand what you're going for here. I think sometimes we, we as a general fantasy community, when we're, when we're streaming, we lose sight of the fact that there's risk. There's a lot of risk, a lot. Like they're available for a reason. And even if you got the perfect setup, which this is not for Luke Weaver, but even if you have the perfect setup, you know, at Oakland, home to the Tigers, you can you can still lose. Nothing is guaranteed in streaming. If they were that good of pitchers, they would have been on a roster. So I like it, though. It's risky, but it's a deep league risk that I think I'm willing to take in some spots there with Luke Weaver. Ryan Feltner, he's a Rockies, home to Milwaukee and at the Mets. I'm not going to do it, but I did want to give him at least a little shine. Um, I, I, I've kind of felt like this the last, uh, I think, year or two. That like I don't know. It was just last year. He, he threw 97 innings last year, so I had to have been at pockets of last year. I think Ryan Feltner's kind of decent. It's not special. It's an 11% strikeout minus walk rate last year, 12% this year, 9% swinging strike rate last year, 10% this year. But I watch him, and I'm like, 
that guy's not that bad. If he was on a different team, you know, put him, go, go polar opposite, take him from Colorado, put him in Miami. Great pitching environment. Um, I think he's toting like a low four ZRA, maybe, maybe even sub, sub four, high threes type of deal. But he's not. And so he doesn't. He has a career 588 ERA. It's at 468 this year with a 467 Sierra. However, you're still trying to avoid the bomb. And four of his five starts have been on the road. And he still has two bombs, two five-run outings at the Dodgers and at Seattle. He just happens to have 11 and two-thirds with no earned runs lately. That's the streak he's working on right now. He has one unearned run allowed. So Ryan Feltner, I'm not starting him. Um... I'd, I'd probably start Kluber over him. I just want to give him a little shine. If it ever winds up where he gets a double road outing, I think I could be. I think I could be interested in that. Perhaps let me pull up uh, something else real quick here while we're going through this, and I can reference where teams are ranked because I was on Roster Resource just kind of spot checking their um, their category ranks, and that doesn't really give me the best insight into saying, oh, you know, they're a good offense or a bad offense. So let me get their Woba ranks pulled up versus righties versus lefties. So versus righties, uh, Milwaukee, they do well. If he was a lefty, maybe I could start to talk myself into a little something. And those of you who have been listening to the podcast forever, you know on these solo episodes, I can talk myself into some shit. I talked myself into Todd Frazier as like the greatest player ever one time. Years ago when he was having an amazing season, but... The way I escalated myself into, into him being like, man, I don't know. Maybe I'll take him first overall. Like I, I, It got wild. It got wild. But no, Feltner's a righty, so home to Milwaukee at the Mets. That's a little dicey, so uh, don't do that. And I'm not even going to put him on the list. I just want to give him a little shine. If you find the right, you know, they get a trip to Miami. They get a trip to Detroit or KC for interleague, whatever. Something where he gets a nice venue away from Coors and you need a deep league spot start. Ryan Feltner could be your guy. This week ain't it, though. Michael Kopech, hard pass. Moving on. Michael Lorenzen. Okay, fine. I'll talk a little bit about Kopech. But I'm not joking that much, okay? I'm really, really not. Um, If his name wasn't Michael Kopech, y'all wouldn't even need me to, to bring it up. You wouldn't even care. 701 ERA, 171 whip. I root for this guy. I really do. I picked him this year. He's somebody I like. I definitely thought he could bounce back. But it's not there. And I'm not, you know, he was a 22nd round pick, which I thought was like a nice a nice scoop. I was like, oh, this is a good good arm talent to get at, uh, at the 22nd pick. This could be a nice upside play. It turns out he was there for a reason, you know? The, the walks that plagued him last year, the lack of swing and miss despite electric stuff at times, that's still there. The swing strike rate is up a little, but not enough to really matter. So it's a 23% K rate, 13% walk rate for Kopech, 2.8 homer per nine. Yeah, 25% homer to fly. I'm going to give that number so you know that it's running hot. But if you watch the pitch, you know he's contributing to it big time. He's also a fly ball pitcher too. So that can compound the mistakes. He's got a 505 Sierra. So yeah. You can say, oh, his ERA shouldn't even be 701. His Sierra likes him more by two runs. <laughs> yeah, down to 505. I'm just not there. And I, I can't start him. I cut him in my 15-teamer. So I'm definitely not starting him anywhere. It's home to Minnesota and at Cincinnati. You you think he's going to get right on the homer rate in Cincinnati? I don't think so, Tim. I do not think so, Timothy. So Kopech is a no start anywhere for me. I can't do it. Your mileage may vary. Maybe you're seeing more. I'm, I'm trying not to be just a a scorned drafter saying, oh, he sucks now or whatever. Normally, I'm, I'm patient. I'm a lot more patient when I'm like, no, I'm sticking with this. You know, He had the disaster debut, seven earned against the Giants that you might have heard Justin and I watching live on the show as he gave up five homers. He bounced back with six innings, one run at Pittsburgh, which we, we didn't know at the time, but hey, that was that was a little bit of a feat. Because Pittsburgh is a spry offense. But it's been wildly unimpressive the subsequent three starts. He's made it five in each of them, but with three, five, and four earned. Four, nine, and four strikeouts. It's just, I don't know. What what am I getting here? Well, to what end am I interested in this? I'm just not. If you think he's good enough to do something, maybe you, maybe you take him and you stash him. 
Um, but I'm just not doing this to start. I, I need to see something that I can believe in before I'm jumping back on the Kopech train. And I know it's hard to be patient like that because the second he gets going, somebody's going to snap him up right away. That's fine. I'm willing to miss the boat on Michael Kopech. I'll tell you this. Oh, wait, no, I think I just cut him last week. Never mind. I was going to say, I'll tell you this. He's still available in my league, but I think I literally just cut him last week. So he hasn't had a chance to get picked back up. He'll probably get picked up this week because it is a two-step. Um, two-star guys are always, always given a look. I wouldn't be surprised. Let me see what his roster rate is in the main. It's 96%. Ours is the only one where he's available. And you know what? That's fine. I don't regret it. Um, even if he gets going cool that's okay sometimes you got to make moves um i picked up the illustrious colin ray because he had a detroit start in fairness cal ray was pretty deep on my list i really wanted blue casey i thought i went out and put a big number but uh i was bested by by a decent bit i put 48 i was like okay you know this is coming in with a little not authority i don't want to overstate about that that's a pretty good bet uh, or bid rather and uh 67 was the winner there so somebody else wanted blue casey quite a bit more um, I had a little cursory, keep him honest, Mason Miller. I was never really competing for that. I just don't think he's going to deliver enough fantasy juice that I'm not paying, you know, 200, 300 bucks out of a thousand. I actually, believe it or not, liked Jose Suarez, although I only had 18 on him. He went for 77. Uh, yikes. And I don't say that to clown on the person who picked him up. I say that the yikes is directed specifically at Suarez because I, you heard me on this pod on Monday say, no, I still believe I wanted to get him in the main. So. Uh, that start was enough to take me off of that. Normally one start will not change my tune that quickly on somebody, but to see how little he had, how ineffective he was. Yeah. I'm out on Suarez right now until we see something. So if that, uh, again, if that, if he gets cut and he's out there and he has like one good start and someone picks him up and I don't think that that was enough to, you know, take a shot, I'm willing to lose cause I'm not going to insta go for Suarez at this point. He's out. Anyway, sorry for the tangent there, but Kopech is a no-go. Michael Lorenzen for the Tigers is getting two teams. <laughs> I forgot here. Uh, the Mets at home and then a trip to St. Louis. That's just too difficult of a matchup. Um, he's not going to make the list here. He's been showing a few interesting things Michael Lorenzen has. He's a guy I root for, too. He's, he's a fun guy. Um, you know, two-way, has two-way vibes. Cerebral about the game easy guy to root for if you if you've seen him in interviews or you know, know 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 what's going on with him but skills aren't quite there right now to really get you going this is a little bit of a scenario like luke weaver well not to the same degree i don't want to overstate it but just that the era and sierra disconnect is huge 707 era 409 sierra but his strikeout and walk ratio aren't as well backed as weaver's he has a 23, uh, Lorenzen has a 23% K rate, but only an 8% swinging strike rate, which is really bad. He isn't walking anybody with an 8% mark there. That's pretty good. That's a career best for him. Or no, second best, sorry. 6.4% back in uh, 2016, 7.7 this year, rounded up, call it eight. And that's 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 fine. I shouldn't, I shouldn't label that as not walking anybody. Relative to what he usually does, he's been double digits the last three years. So relative to Lorenzen's recently established level he's not walking anybody but eight percent is still you know like i said about about average homers are also biting him though you're noticing a theme here with a lot of these guys who are available they're getting eaten up by homers that's the quickest way to to trounce an era and i can't trust him against the mets and cards that's just too much luis garcia i'm only including him here because i don't think he's really popping up on waiver wires i don't it may be some shallow leagues because the, the start of the season was pretty bad. And if I recall correctly, he had a rough spring. He was adjusting to the pitch clock. He had to ch change his um, wind-up and everything. He did that rock by baby stuff. Had to cut that out. So he might have been popping up in some shallow leagues, but I don't think any deep leagues cut Luis Garcia. He is automatic, again, back in your lineup. I mean, six scoreless at the Rays, for God's sakes. That should count double. Uh, also busted up Toronto for seven scoreless. So two very good teams, 16 strikeouts, 13 scoreless innings. You're free and clear with Luis Garcia. Hopefully you remain patient because even though the three starts weren't good and there was a tangible issue, you know, him adjusting, it still wasn't enough to cut him, especially for what you paid. And I do think what you pay matters, right? Like there gets to be a point where, okay, you, you, you stop factoring that in and you, and you move on. But 
that payment that you paid for a player indicates a, a an expectation level of their stats, and you got to give more than three starts to try to show that talent. And so, you know, if you're cutting off of that, saying no, sunk cost, I, I don't care that I paid pick one forty one, I'm cutting Luis Garcia. I don't think you're doing it right. And then you miss these two gems, and you really shot yourself in the foot by being way too aggro. That that was that ninth round in a fifteen teamer, or tenth round. Um, yeah, so. No, hopefully nobody did that. Again, if you cut him in a 10-teamer, it's at least a bit more understandable because it's a 10-teamer. It's still wrong, though. And and not entirely because of these two good starts, which obviously that has to play a role because we know that data. But also, again, just the process of it, of cutting what would be then in, in a 10-teamer, uh, a 14th round pick, it's too early for that. You know, so anyway, Luis Garcia, I'm not, he's not even on the list because he's not somebody that's up for consideration. I just wanted to do kind of a wellness check on him. San Francisco and at San Seattle. Yeah, he's, he's a full go again. Zach Granke is our next guy for consideration here. Baltimore and Oakland, both at home. Now, I was actually talking about Zach Granke today on my stream because I actually, uh, did he start yesterday? Yeah, I do. I do a box score review. Uh, stream a few times a week. It's not every single day because I got you know morning meetings at times that that get in the way. But you know three four times a week during the weekdays. It's called Boxes and Bull because uh, I read the box scores while I drink my Red Bull. And yeah, he started yesterday, which is Thursday the twenty seventh. Seven earned run outings in three and two thirds. And my problem with Grinky is like that is always looming, always. His margin for error it is non-existent. He doesn't miss bats. He's throwing slop up there. He's trying to get him to roll it over, bounce it into the ground, fly out to your outfielders. You know, he needs contact to go his way. And when it doesn't, you're in deep trouble. So he's a really tough start in any league, really. This I can put him on my list. I'll, I'll let him make this list here because... Um, Baltimore and Oakland at home. Now, Baltimore, again, they're not bad. I don't say I don't include them uh, here to say that they're bad, but they get he gets them at KC. And then, of course, Oakland anywhere on the moon would be a worthy, uh, worthy matchup. I think it's enough with the matchups, both being at home and one in, being Oakland, that I can at least get him on the list. But he, he's last. Granky's last. I, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. It's difficult to divorce the Granky that we know and love from his career as an excellent player. Um, to then be like, okay, we have to assess him for present day. And, you know, there were a lot of good starts last year to get to a 360 ADRA, but it was with a 134 whip and four homers and, and no strikeouts. I mean, you know, obviously not literally, but it was 73 strikeouts. So did he really help you last year, Grinky? No. I mean, this year the strikeouts are up a bit from 13% to 16%, but it's a 610 ERA and a 145 whip. Give him his Sierra, 464 or 462. Even that as his ERA wouldn't be very good. It's like, what are you getting? And he's 0-4. What are you getting? What's the best outcome here? You know what? I talked myself into it the other way. He's off the list. We're not even considering him. I love you, Grink, but no, I would I would start I think I would start every one of the other guys on the no-go list over him. Even Feltner. I think even Feltner has more upside. So sorry, Grink. Can't do it. Don't. Don't take my stuff and put it on the side of the road like you did with Yasiel Puig, please. All right, next up is... LA does not have one because they're going with six-man. Or not that... One LA does. One LA does, and I was looking at the Angels. The Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin. Philly and at San Diego. Home to Philly and at San Diego. More of a wellness check type thing, I think, if you've got him. You're starting him. You might have sat him this week because... You, you didn't think there was going to be much by way of volume, and you would have been correct, by the way. Um, I, there's still not going to be a ton of volume. Like I doubt he's going to be pushing 100 pitches in either of these. Let's see how many he got in his debut. He got 65 pitches. Yeah, so we should be able to start working up closer to the 80-85 uh, mark here, maybe even as high as 90 if he's really going well. So you, you can get to the five innings. I think you're going to go ahead and start Gonsolin here, 15s, 12s, probably even 10s. Might be on some waiver wires in 10s, though, so take a look. 
I think uh, things have really dimmed on Gonsolin as far as, you know, the excitement based on how well he did last year. He was only picked 233 in the main event. Like, that, that's, that's a 16th round pick. That's not crazy. So there is a world where somebody might got tired of holding him, cut him in a 10, see if he's out there. You can take a shot. I don't think this is like a super high upside one, but I am going to go ahead and start him. He is not terribly high on the list right now, Gonsolin. In fact, boy, he might be last. I don't know. I, maybe not. Maybe not above Weaver. Well, let's see. Home to Philly and at San Diego. Like I said, at San Diego is not too bad. They're not hitting well. It's a good place to pitch. But Philly at Chavez Ravine. I don't know. That's not That's not a great setup. It's okay. And Weaver also has the at San Diego, so that cancels out. So then it's home to White Sox versus home to Philly between Weaver and Gonsolin on those starts. And I would favor Weaver on that. And then you're assessing the skills between each other. And I don't know. I don't know if I would favor Weaver on that, but I don't know if it's that far apart to close the gap of the better second matchup. So yeah. Uh, and Weaver's currently last on the list, so I think Gonsolin's last. Smiley, Hauk, Wells, Wesneski, Elder, Weaver, Gonsolin. I think that's where I'm at right now. Maybe, maybe you think I'm crazy, but that's where I'm at. Eric Lauer, not going to make the list because he has a trip to Coors, and he's just been too risky right now to, to dare with that, with the home runs that he's allowing. I will say he's above Granke on the, on the do-not-go list. Because I know some of y'all are going to go. So I'm still listing them out. It's Kluber, Feltner, Kopech. Actually, no. Kluber, Kopech. Nah, Kopech's going to be first on that. Kopech, Kluber, Feltner, Lorenzen, Lauer, Granke for the no-go group right now. But yeah, at San Francisco and at Colorado, obviously the San Francisco one isn't that bad. But it's not such a certainty with Eric Lauer that you that you take the risk of Coors because you're like, oh, I'm going to get a gem at San Francisco. He's not pitching well enough to expect a gem anywhere, any day right now. The homers are through the roof at 2.1. He's always been a homer guy. So yeah, this is a higher higher end of his variance with homers, but not something that you should expect to plummet. He's a 1.3 career. He was at 1.5 last year. Basically, Eric Lauer has reverted back to his pre-2021 days. That's kind of where we're at right now. He posted a 473 Sierra from 2018 to 2020, and he's at 482 this year after being a decent bit better in 21-22 with a 414 Sierra. So however you felt about Eric Lauer when he was with San Diego, that's probably how you should be feeling about him these days, which is deep league streamer at best, and that's only if the matchups align. This week they do not, so it's a pass. I'm only bringing up this guy to give some information on him or at least see if we can find some information. Tyler Molly has a two-step, but I think he's going on the IL. Let me check that. Um... Impingement to the back of his right elbow. There's no way he's not going on the IL here. So if it becomes Louis Varland, let's go ahead and slot him in here right now as the assumed guy because I want to say that Ober is starting this weekend. So if it was Ober, slam dunk, definitely doing that at the White Sox at Cleveland. With Louis Varland, I think I might as well. So this is a tentative Louis Varland. Let's go ahead and put him on the list. I think he's just going to go behind Gonsolin. He's going to go last on the list. But Louis Varlin has some talent. There were some things going on last year when he was called up, and I think he got hurt and just kind of ended ended the, the hype train before it could really get going. But let me pull up his numbers here and uh, talk a little bit about what he was doing last year. And he's had a spot start this year that went damn, very damn well. Uh, 32% Ks in his six innings, 450 ERA, 117 whips. So six innings, three runs, of course. But yeah, in the minors, you know, it's only 15 innings, but he's doing well down there. He did well in the minors last year. So the upper minors have been good for Varland. I think there's some real talent here. I like what Minnesota's been doing with their pitching. They they protect their guys too, and it can be infuriating sometimes because it's only four, maybe even just five innings. But if they're protecting them from a third time through because they don't think they can get, get through it, you know, yeah, they might be costing you a win, but they're saving you ERA and whip points as well. So you take the good with the bad there. I would start Varland if he does indeed get the spot. And I think I'm going to actually move him up above Weaver. So he's not guaranteed at all. So you make sure you're checking things before you do anything with Louis Varland. But it's Smiley Hauk, Wells Wesneski, Elder, Varland, Weaver, Gonsolin. 
Max Scherzer and Kodai Senga for the Mets. Obviously, we're not talking about either of those. Taiwan Walker at the Dodgers and home to Boston. That's going to be a no-go for me. You guys been listening to this show long enough? You know I love Taiwan Walker. I don't want it to be a no-go, but I got to be honest about where he's at right now, and it's not a great spot. And it's not even it's not even a streamer and a two-step, I don't think, because this is not an easy setup. I know the Dodgers aren't the Dodgers right now. You know They're not underlined and capitalized because things haven't been going that well for them. I still do not want to take a risk here with Taiwan Walker going to the Dodgers and then Boston coming to Fen- or um, coming to City Citizens Bank. I'll, I'll get there. Just give me 20 tries. I'll get there. Um, yeah, I can't do that. I just can't. So that's going to be a no-go for me. He's got a an 8% strikeout minus walk right now for Taiwan Walker. And not a whole lot that has me confident that he's going to greatly turn it around. It hasn't translated into an egregious ERA. It's 497. I mean, that's not great, but you know, it's not some like 890 or anything like that. But the walks are also sky high, double his rate last year up to 13%. I just don't know where we're at, and I'm I'm too nervous about it. By the way, I did miss one here because we are going by team alphabetical order. I did not see Domingo Herman on the list. Let me go ahead and put him in between here. Uh, and he gets, Domingo Herman gets, Cleveland and at Tampa Bay. Oof. That at Tampa Bay really puts some scare into that one. Like a lot. Like I grant that it's a two-step. And Cleveland is nice. And Herman himself has not been doing too poorly this year. Um, he's got 31% K rate. With a 17% swing strike rate. So his core skills have been nice. 22% strikeout minus walk. But his homers that are always there. This is like a right-handed lower. Uh, his homers that are always there are aggro right now. 2.4 homer nine. So 5.54 ERA. I said he hasn't been doing too poorly this year. That, that ERA is bad, but it's a 108 whip and a 347 Sierra. So I see reasons to be excited about Herman and think like, okay, he can get going. But is this the week to get going? when it includes a trip to Tampa Bay. I don't think so. And so I I am going to go ahead and put him on the list here because I can't just not list anybody. But this is scary, y'all. This is scary. I'm going to put him... I'm going to put him below Weaver. So he's ahead of Gonsolin. And Gonsolin, by the way, is last, mostly because you might only get eight innings. Like the home to Philly and at San Diego is not like a devastating matchup. The main reason that I'm that Gonsolin is so low is because you might get eight innings. Like that's a high likelihood. So keep that in mind here. If, if once he's in gear, well, first off, once he he's fully in gear and clicking, I don't even think he's up for consideration because I think Tony Gonsolin's kind of a um, all formats roster and often starting type of guy. But because he's in a little bit of a limbo right now, having just come off the IL and going to have some shallow league availability, that's the only reason I even put him on this sheet for consideration. So keep that in mind as well. But yeah. I do like Domingo Herman. I might even pick him up just to sit him and have him. So that way, when he's not facing Tampa Bay, I can do this. If you're in a daily league, great. You can just take the Cleveland start and not the Tampa Bay start. But I'd be careful with the two-step, y'all. I'd be very careful. Two more hits for Kelnick tonight. What an absolute monster. Uh, next up is Ronzi Contreras. He gets at Tampa Bay and home to Toronto. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Um... I'm debating right now. Does he even go on the list and go below Gonsolin? Because that is a tough two-step. And I'm like, I'm pretty hot on what Oviedo and Keller are doing. And Contreras did have the, the, the well, three gems in a row now. Damn, he does have three gems in a row. And it's really only one bad one against Houston. He was good in Boston to open the season. Okay, I'm actually reconsidering a little bit. I'm glad I opened up the game logs. He's definitely going to go on the list. It's just a matter of where now. This is still risky. Don't get me wrong. This is still super risky. But like if you're a Ronzi Contreras believer and you know, you've been excited about him. He was one of your breakout picks. You're not sitting this. I really don't think you are. You, you know it's scary as hell and you're nervous about it. 
But I think you got to go for it here and take your shot in some of the deeper formats in, in particular. If you can't pitch him in a two-step when he's, when he's riding this hot, even acknowledging that it is a difficult duo, then when the hell can you really start him? Like how, how picky can you be? He's got his stri- swing and strike rate up to 11% in these last three starts after being at 7% in the first two. He's got uh, 27% K rate. Yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm in here for Contreras, for 15s for sure, 12s, even dicier of course. I'm gonna put him above Varland, so it's gonna be Smiley, Hauk, Wells, Wasneski, Elder, Contreras, Varland, Weaver, Herman, Gonsolin. I'm thinking about putting Elder over Wasneski too. I'm thinking about it. All right, next up we have. Okay, this is one, I think this is more of a wellness check because I don't really think he's available. And um, actually, let me check. Let me check. I got, I'm in a Yahoo league, so I have access to Yahoo. I can I can see. And they, I, I bring that up because they have a, a shallower leagues in general. So you can get a better look of the availability of somebody. Yeah, okay. So this is wellness check. This is not for the list because... It's going to be very, very small pockets where he's available. And, like, if a bunch of guys are, like, you know, 85 90% rostered and I'm assessing their their streamer potential, it's like, well, I'm catering to people, you know, in, like, seven leagues or something. So that's too much of a roster rate. But let's take a look at Snell and see where we're at. He's definitely no better than a team streamer right now. I don't mind if you're sitting out tons of stuff. Now, he might pass the test of... I'm not starting him for a two-step, but I still want to keep him. I can understand that. I could actually co-sign that, even though I usually say, then you got to cut the guy. And I get it because of the upside of his talent. He does still have a 13% swing strike rate and a 24% K rate. So I do get it, but nothing else is good. I'm not going to read any more numbers because they're all bad. But it is only 23 innings. This is Blake Snell, who's had plenty of opportunity, you know, plenty of upside. I don't know why I said opportunity. Plenty of upside in the past. He was great last year. There was a lot of hype around what he could do this year if he could build off of it. So I'm not, I'm not cutting him. I'm not. Yeah, I'm just I'm not cutting. I'm not cutting Snell right now. But I don't know if I'm starting. It's it's Cincinnati and the Dodgers at home. I am going to start it. I am. I'm I'm going to take the shot here. I'm going to trust the talent. This is it's ugly right now, but if you believe in the guy, you know, overall, I think you take this shot here. And doesn't he have a couple rotten ones spoiling the bunch? Or has he been bad every time out? Yeah, I mean, he's got his first two, he gave up seven combined earned runs in seven and in eight innings. The last three, he's gotten five in each of them, given up three, two, and two with five strikeouts in each of them as well. So it's not that's not amazing, but that's not as that's not as bad as it's been for Snell. So yeah, again, wellness check. We're not putting him on our, on our list here. Cause he's not available any, in, in enough spots to like really be considered, but I just want y'all to, to know I have some confidence in starting him. Your mileage may vary. I would go ahead and go for it. All right. Next up is Ross Stripling joining the rotation. Uh, he gets a trip to Houston and home to Milwaukee. Yeah, no, no, you guys know I love strip, but, uh, n- no, thanks. Not with what's going on there. Like I said, Milwaukee doing well against righties. And uh, the the trip to Houston, I want no part of. So, no, don't do this with Stripling. He's probably under... <laughs> he might even be under Feltner for me right now with the way the skills are going. Because they're not. The skills are not going right now. And Stripling can get in a groove and become a streamer down the line. I would not be surprised. He did that last year for a good period of time. Skills are a bit better than I thought. I kind of was roasting him a little too harshly there. 13% strikeout minus walk, 11% swinging strike rate, but still the home, same old story as some of these other guys that are just off the list. The homers are through the roof. They will come down. He's got a 38% homer to fly ball rate. Good for a three and a half homer per nine. I do think he'll, he'll stifle that a bit, but He's a homer guy, right? He, he throws a lot of hittable stuff up there. He has more control than command. He's a career 1-4 homer 9. He run a, he ran a 2.0 homer 9 for 100 innings in 2021. So when I talk about stripling, his homer number might not, you know, it's not going to necessarily plummet. It should come down off of 3.5, but it might only come down to, you know, 
two two or you know between one eight and two two, so that would still be tough. So no, he's a he's a no go, and yeah, he's gonna be below Feltner on the on the no go list. Stephen Matz, home to the Angels and Detroit. A classic solo episode drink there. Could edit it out, but that's part of the essence of the solos, y'all. Did I just make up some bullshit to be lazy and not have to go back and edit it? Yes, but just go with it. Come on. Um, the Angels are a little scary. I mean, they're a lot scary, actually. I, I, I shouldn't say it like that because I think, and I was actually talking about this on stream today, so yeah, I shouldn't go against what I was saying. I think people haven't been taking them seriously enough, in fact. So I shouldn't soft pedal it and say, oh, they're a little scary. No, they're a lot scary. And it's not just Trout and Otani. That lineup, that lineup runs deep, I think. And uh, particularly against lefties, they're slamming lefties. However, you get Detroit. That's enough for me to consider this. Um, he's going to make the list because he gets both of them at home. And, you know, that park is a good spot to pitch in, Bush Stadium. So Matt's is definitely making the list. I think he's going to make it. Hmm. Let me take a look at his skills. I, I'm actually unfamiliar with what he's doing so far this year. I should probably have a good handle on that if I'm going to assess whether or not I'm starting somebody. Generally a good idea. Steven Matz has been fine skill-wise this year. Also running a bit of a homer rate. Also a bit of a career homer guy. So no guarantees that's coming way down. The big issue with him is his walks are through the roof relative to his career, especially. He's a career 7%. He's at 11. Everything else is more or less in line, except the homer's a little inflated. So a five-walk outing is really doing some damage there, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a standard stream, right? You pick up mats to, to stream them in a two-step. The Detroit start makes it appealing. The home start against LA dampens some of the scariness of them. So I'm going to go ahead and put him over the would-be Varland. We don't know if Varland's going to get that spot. So he's in between Contreras and Varland, which currently slots him for Steven Matz. Uh, seventh on our list. Okay, so let me see if he's even available in the main at all. I don't know what his... Availability is in 15s. He's rostered in my league and 98% in the main. So yeah, this is a 12-team type of stream for Steven Matz. You're really not getting him in deeper leagues. Uh, too good of a pitcher to be out there in very many 15-team uh, formats. All right, uh, McClanahan going for the Rays, obviously. the Only five games for the Rangers. The Jays, they've got a pair. Now, one of their guys, I think, has become back to you know unquestioned status. And that is my man, Jose Barrios. And I don't say my man to suggest that I was gassing him up this year and that he was one of my picks or anything. I'm just a long-term fan. I like the guy. Um, I, I had some skepticism about him this year. I was not beating the drum of like, yo, go get him. He's, he's ready to go. He's unquestioned. No, 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 no. I did have, I had major questions, particularly because he had a bad spring too. So I'm like, bad spring plus last year's disaster year. What is going on with this guy? Can he be trusted? And my thinking was, I, I don't think he can. Like, this is this is not good. And he has turned it around. So that's great. I'm starting him. Uh, in a 12-team, he is streamable. So we are going to go ahead and put Barrios on the list. But we're going to put him up pretty high. I think Barrios is going to be... His question is, is he, is he going to pass Smiley for the number one spot? I think he is. But keep in mind, Smiley is going to have some 15-team availability, so he's like wider appeal. Actually, he's rostered in all the mains, too. That doesn't mean he's not available in any 15-team league. I'm not suggesting that. Um, but it's probably not that much availability. So I guess he is kind of a 12s only. Yeah, he's only available in 10% of the TGFBI leagues, and those are 15-teamers, too. So Barrios and Smiley are, are really only 12-team in, in lower streams, but I am streaming them in both. And they're, they're the top two on the list right now. So where available, you go get those guys for sure and roster them. Yusei Kikuchi is the other one. And by the way, I didn't mention the matchups. I'm sorry. At Boston and at Pittsburgh for them. Now, those Spry Pirates made... Usually that's a one-up, one-down situation. That's, uh, you know, definitely be careful with Boston and be careful with Pittsburgh. They're playing well right now. Um, 
You might not believe in them long term, and I can't really disagree with you because I don't really trust their pitching, but their hitting is solid. And against righties, they're 11th in um, Woba, so that's for Barrios, but for lefties, they're fifth. That's for Kikuchi, and he's the one who's more likely to be available in your deeper leagues. So those of you in the deeper formats that are trying to look for a stream, uh, actually, he's 98% in in TGFBI, so he's not going to have that much availability either. Okay, I didn't know if Kikuchi, if people had really jumped on Kikuchi at this point. So he's going to be another guy who's really mostly only the 12-team variety. Um, he's doing some really good things, Kikuchi is. I still get nervous about him. I still think he is like at, at best a team streamer. Like I'm not, I'm not cutting him right now. He's doing too much good. Yeah, okay. He's been doing a lot better than I thought. But he's still allowing two two homers per nine. That's the scary thing. And you know what this kind of reminds me of? A junior version of Robbie Ray's breakout. Because when he broke out and won the Cy Young, he still had a one five homer nine. So we have a twenty six percent K rate, a twenty one percent strikeout minus walk for Kikuchi. For good for a three ERA and a one eleven whip, but two homers per nine. So it's like, dang, that is, that is really difficult to get behind. So I would just be careful, but yeah, I think you gotta roll with him right now while while things are there. Understand that there could be he's got that blow up potential. Every time out. In fact, he already has a blow up on his ledger this year. A three homer, six earned run disaster at the Angels. He just so happens to have given up just three earned runs in his four starts combined outside of that, that Kikuchi has these wonderful numbers. So there's enough upside here that I get it. I get it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you not to, not to roll with him. In fact, I'm just going to put him, I'm going to put him below Wells. I still like Halkin Wells better than Kikuchi. But uh, yeah, he's fifth on the list. All right, and that would only leave Washington possibly, and it does. Yeah, Mackenzie Gore, our last guy here. Mackenzie Gore is doing some good things, and I'm I'm very interested in him because I I believe in this guy. I liked him as a prospect. I think he's somebody who's good. However, comparing him to his teammate Josiah Gray, who does not have a two start, um, home to Chicago, home to the Cubs at Arizona, by the way, for Gore. And those would be, those are, those are okay match. Actually, the Cubs are sixth in Woba against lefties, and Arizona's 14th. So it's like a mediocre matchup and then a, a bad one. Um, but the reason that I'm a little bit more skeptical on Gore than I am Gray, which coming into the year was the opposite. I was more willing to take a shot on Gore deep in drafts than I was Gray because I'm like, he's a home run machine. We've seen no signs that Gray is going to fix those home runs. And until I see a tangible sign of that, I'm scared. Well, 1.3 homer nine isn't exactly a complete sign of that for Gore. However, he gave up three home runs in his season opener and he's given up one homer in his last four. So he's made some real good strides in four straight starts there with just the one homer. Gore, however, is a walk guy, and that's his big issue, and he hasn't really tangibly improved that. In fact, it's worse than it was last year, gone up from 12% to 14%. So that's my concern there. However, I do think that he's pitching well enough, and there's too much talent here to leave Gore on, on waiver wires. Uh, sorry, I got an auto ad there. To leave Gore on waiver wires where available, and he's more of a 12-teamer for sure. But um, yeah, I think I think he has to be picked up. I think he becomes at least a team streamer right now. I don't. I'm not using a traditional stream on Gore right now. I'm picking him up, and I am I'm rolling with him. And then when I don't want to use him, I'm gonna go ahead and put him back on my reserve roster, not back on the waiver wire. So Gore's making the list. He's in consideration. I like him. Let's keep it going. He's gonna go below. Below Steven Matz, and I'm also going to make an amendment to Wesneski. I'm a little bit too high on my guy. I think I'm gassing him up too much. I'm lowering him a, a healthy bit here. So the final list that we're looking at, and again, the, the availability is going to vary. I, I grant that. Some of these guys are only available in 15s. Some are available in 15s and 12s, and which means they're also available in 10s. Um, so 
what I'm trying to say rather is some of these guys are only streamable in 15s. Some are streamable in 15s and 12s. Some of them are streamable across the board. Barrios, Smiley, Hauk, Wells, Kikuchi, they're streamable everywhere. If you're streaming, all five of them I can stream anywhere. Elder, Contreras, Mats are definitely 15s and 12s. They're a bit dicier in 10s, but I don't hate it if that's your best option. Put Gore in that list too. Elder Contreras, Mats, Gore. Put those four in the virtually everywhere I'm streaming them I can right now. Everywhere I can stream them, I will. Then you get into the deeper only, kind of 12s and above. Wesneski, Varland, if he if he fills in for Tyler Molly, Luke Weaver, Domingo Herman, Tony Gonsolin, and with Weaver, Herman, Gonsolin, I I gotta be in a in a pretty not desperate situation, but I got to be pretty up against it with options. I'm, I'm, they're the three lowest for a reason. I'm pretty light. I'm pretty light on, on wanting to go for them. So th that's the list. Those are my two steps. Hopefully y'all enjoyed that. Um, Justin and I will be back next week. Have a good weekend.